Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Hello and welcome to episode number 148 of Soccer New Barack in America featuring you know who. Hello! Yeah, there's your star right there, 11-year-old daughter co-host, Person Noob, and we are here to do match mini previews from all over the world. If it's important where it's being played, then it is on our radar and a pretty good chance we're going to cover it this particular week, other than uh, our two bonus matches each week. Now, lately, just for the sake of brevity, we're going to do two of the usual three, and we're going to intersperse them throughout the show. You'll get to find out as surprises how we introduce them where they are and what they will entail. But the 10 matches, we're going to countries, big and small, far-flung corners of the world, big giant tournaments. Again, if it's important where it's being played, you're going to get it right here and oftentimes not get it anywhere else. This particular week, we are going to be covering matches from Friday through Thursday. That's the way our week always runs. This time, August 11 through 17. With no further ado, let's simply jump right in with... March number one! And we're not going to start off with a confederation, but with the world, so to speak, specifically the Women's World Cup. They've reached their quarterfinal stage of the FIFA event, Japan versus Sweden. And for knocking out the, as other players call them at the World Cup, cocky U.S. women's national team. God bless you, Sweden, although I'd actually been rooting for Japan, but I'm glad you're both here. Uh, By the way, for those who are brand new, the Women's World Cup is being played in Auckland once again, or uh, Rather, I should say in New Zealand and Australia, this particular match, Japan versus Sweden, will be in Auckland. Series between these two is a brief one, at least in recent years. Sweden have gone 2-1-1 against them. The winners will get to play either Spain or the Netherlands. You can catch this if you are up early enough, U.S. Eastern Time, 3.30 a.m. Get the coffee going. Fox Peacock, Universa, the last two are for Spanish-language broadcasts. Japan, we'll talk about them first. They're the home side on paper. They are ranked number 11 by FIFA Worldwide. Uh, They're behind only number 10-ranked Australia of the six six Asian clubs. And I know Australia is not part of Asia, but in terms of geography of football, they joined them about a decade ago. That are here. The highest rank that they ever achieved was number three. That was in 2014. They actually won the World Cup in 2011 and were runners-up in 2015. 2019, the last iteration, they didn't go quite as far, making it to the round of 16, though. They were seeded second in their group stage behind Spain. No real surprise that both of them are still here. And yet they went on to win the group with a perfect uh, record, 3-0-0 and 11 against nil goal differential. That's stunning with Spain in the group because Spain is honestly was my favorite to win the whole thing. They beat number 12 Norway last round, by the way, to advance to this one, 3-1. Key player to look for, number one event scorer with five is Hinata Miyazawa, 23 years old, is all midfielder. She's already got 27 Japanese national team appearances under her belt, though. She plays for Minavi Sendai of the WE, which stands for Women's Empowerment League. The old Nadashiko League is now the second best league there and is considered, I think, semi-professional. This is now their first fully professional league. 
We've got a couple of USA connections here, players that play for teams here in the States. Hina Sugita, she plays midfielder for Portland Thorns. And June Endo, who I think is probably going to have a little bit bigger role to play. She is also in the midfield, 23 years old, and she plays in Los Angeles for Angel City. And now Sweden, they are ranked number three and should be the favorites in this one. Uh, They're behind only the second best side from all the 12 teams from Europe that came here, uh, Germany. 2003, they finished in second place in the World Cup, but that is the best that they have ever done. I'm surprised they've never won it. 2019, one of their three number three finishes. Can they finally get over the hump, especially with the U.S. out of the way? In fact, for all for as highly as they've been ranked for so long, they've actually only ever even won the European Championships once, and that was all the way back in 1984. In the group stage, though, they are hitting fine form. They went 3-0-0 with a 9 against 1 goal differential, and again advanced over the USA, played them 0-0 in regular time, and then beat them on penalty kicks 5-4. All the event scoring leaderboard from this team with three netted is Amanda Illestet. She actually plays center back, but she clearly gets around the field and is very maneuverable if she's getting that many goals. She was with PSG, one of the world's great powers, just signed with Arsenal, one of the big three over in England. USA connection to be found here is Sophia Jakobsen. She plays forward for them, and she is a veteran. In fact, has nearly 150 national team caps. She uh, is a USA connection because she just made the move this year to San Diego Wave. She was with Bayern over in Germany. Match number B. For our first set of geographically aligned or grouped matches, we're going to bring it on home to the CONCACAF region for the CONCACAF Central American Cup ongoing. The winners of this event will qualify for the CONCACAF Champions Cup, our version of the Champions League, round of 16. The next five best teams will also make the tournament, but they will have to start a round earlier. Your matchup here in the group stage, number two, Zelahu out of Guatemala versus number three, Independiente out of Panama. The top two from this and each of the groups at this stage will move on to the knockout round. And it's worth noting that Independiente, two points behind, do have a match in hand. They have only played one match so far. Zelahu have played a couple. So this is the tightest race going as far as for getting the second berth. But there's a long way to go in the group stage. Zelahu, they're hosting this one, and they are known as, I love this, the Chivos, but also and primarily the Super Chivos. Yes, the Super Goats. I want a movie. I don't care what the plot is. I just want a story about Super Goats, even if it's not football related. That's fine. They have won their domestic league title six different times. That is the most out of any club in the country that is outside the capital city. Where are they from? Uh, a very hard one for me to pronounce. I've tried practicing it. Uh, Quetzaltenango. Uh, Zelahu is actually the Mayan name, but they both refer to the same place. It's very high up in a mountain valley in the southeast part of the country, city of about 180,000. Very agriculturally oriented. Wheat is a big thing here. I always think about the Plains states from the U.S., of course, but that is a huge one down there. Uh, cotton, uh, cocoa, that sort of thing. 2012-13 CONCACAF Champions League. They made it all the way to the quarterfinal. That is the best result they've ever had internationally of the three times that they have played CONCACAF events that high up the chain. 
By the way, the league they play out of there, the Liga Nacional, is the fifth-ranked league in all of CONCACAF. So this is a country a little bit on the climb. They're right there with Canada right now. Uh, they qualified for this event by winning the 2022-23 season Clausura stage, or basically their second mini-season. They divided into two in a lot of the Latin American countries, for those of you who are new. 2023-24, their Apertura stage is off to an interesting start. Just three matches in, but they've got three draws. So let's take a look at how they did last year in the Clausura stage. They actually finished the regular season in third before going on to win the playoffs. Only had the fifth best offense going. Uh, one and a third goals per match, but they had the number one defense by a ton. So this is a small ball team. They're giving up well under a goal every other match. And they had the third best overall goal differential. And now Independiente, another one that has a fun nickname, the uh, Albejitos, the Little Bees. And they play out of La Chorrera. In fact, the full name of the club is often referred to since Independiente as uh, is such a common one, fully as Independiente uh, de La Chorrera. By the way, that town for which they're named is in the south-central part of the country, 175,000. It's not really part of the greater uh, capital city area there in Panama, but they are only 30 miles southwest of the capital city. They have won five league titles since last getting promoted to Division I. That was in 2018. Remember, they give away two of those per year. Their only international appearance, I believe, was the 2019 CONCACAF Champions League. They didn't really make any, uh, not too much noise there. I believe they got to the quarterfinals. Their league, by the way, is rated seventh within CONCACAF. Their season uh, in stage, the Apertura stage 2023-24, is a very young one as well. They are four matches in, perfect so far, at least undefeated, 2-2-0. They qualified for this event by winning the playoffs of both the Apertura and Clausura stages last year. Looking at their Clausura stage statistics, they finished second in the regular season. They are very much the opposite of their opponents today. Very strong offense. Uh, it's not a high-scoring league, so I should say only strong in comparison to other teams in Panama. They don't quite get a goal and a half per game. They were not particularly good on defense compared to the other teams and yet only gave up one and a quarter. I don't expect this to be a very high-scoring affair. A nil-nil draw is what I would bet on if I were absolutely forced. This team only had the seventh-best goal differential. So I think the Super Chivos are very much your favorites here since the little bees are traveling key player to look for for this team number one score in their last stage still playing for them he netted seven was victor avila match number three next up for Concacaf is our league's cup for newer or burgeoning fans here's what it is and don't feel bad for not having known it it's only something like three years old and this is the first year it's really mattered or that have there have been true international stakes at play beyond merely the trophy it has always been an event for teams from the U.S. and Mexico's top two flights, MLS and Liga MS. This year, it is for all the teams from both of the leagues. It has become a major event. It's being hosted this particular iteration in the U.S. and Canada. The winner will get to go to the round of 16 CONCACAF Champions Cup in its next edition. The next two finishers will get to start a round prior. Again, they've reached their quarterfinal. Most interesting looking match to us. We want to see, there are, there are a lot more U.S. teams, so there's a lot more U.S. teams facing one another. So we wanted to look at something that had something from each of the two countries. Philadelphia Union playing host to Carretero. 
series between these two, they've played once, or at least in recent seasons, Philadelphia won it. You can catch this one, 8 o'clock Eastern Time in the U.S., Apple TV with MLS Pass. I was a little bit surprised to see that since it's not a Major League Soccer game, but yeah, they bought the rights to it. Good for them. Uh, Philadelphia, 2021. That was the only time they made the now CONCACAF Champions Cup, and they got all the way to the semifinals. Currently in their major league season, they are in third place, pretty well balanced, top four offense, top three defense. This is a team that is going to finish in the top four in the league almost certainly, and will get to host an MLS Cup uh, home game, at least one of those. Their MVP on the season, in my opinion, has been Daniel Gazdag out of Hungary, their attacking midfielder, nine goals, five assists. So definitely not a traditional central midfielder who's setting up the offense. He is the offense. Team's current form, they're in great form for this thing. They've won six straight matches. Although it's worth noting that it did take penalty kicks to get them through their last two matches, which were both in the League's Cup. By the way, they advanced last round over New York Red Bulls 1-1 once again on penalty kicks. That went to 4-3. And the one series one I mentioned that they'd ever had was actually over Caretaro. They were in the same little three group, uh, three club group in the group stage and Philadelphia won that group. Uh, they only had to play two games each and they won both of them did Philadelphia. And now Caretaro, they are from the city of the same name, South central part of the country, about a million, one and a half billion people. Uh, this is a really well-to-do might be a little bit too strong. I don't know about the cost of living, but it is listed by one source I saw as the second best place in Mexico, major and mid-sized city, to do business. So this is a this is a nice place. The club, another great mascot. They are known as the White Roosters. Yeah, roosters, why not? Not the most intimidating animal to me, but it seems to mean a lot in Mexico. This club has had a very interesting recent and somewhat dark history. There was a major riot within the last year. Uh, People were killed and current owners, as part of the whole deal to keep the club up and going and not suspended indefinitely, were forced to sell their team. It's currently being run or administrated by the same people that run club uh, Tijuana, but they have to sell it by the end of the year by contract. It is not theirs to keep. This is not a team that has ever made any major international appearances before, nor have they ever won a league title. Closest they ever came, 2015 Clausura stage, they finished in second place. Not even sure if that was the playoffs of the regular season. I just know they don't have, if they've got a trophy cupboard, it's got nothing but dust in it. They advanced last round over uh, New England Revolution 1-1 and then 4-3 on penalty kicks. Here, their current stage, the 2023-24 Apertura stage, they're only two matches in, and they've got a win and a loss. 2022-23 Clausura stage, they finished in 10th place, good enough to make the playoffs, but they were not allowed to participate in the playoffs because they were in last place in the multi-year coefficient table. As you're surmising, Carretero is not a team with a lot of great history in general on or off the field. So they had to have made it based on having a pretty good finish in the Apertura stage last year. I forgot to make a note about it, but nothing else would make sense. So uh, during that last stage, though, when they didn't do that great, uh, 10th place, they had tied for the worst offense, one of the few clubs scoring less than a goal per match. Defense was a little bit better. It's another small ball team. They were giving up one and a quarter goals per match. Nevertheless, they do have one guy who's worth looking for on offense, a top 
or not on offense, on defense. They've got a very good goalkeeper named Gil Alcala, who had five clean sheets last stage. You've got to consider Carretero the major underdog against Philadelphia, but the, the same was true against New England Revolution, and they won that one. Match number four. Next up, a tournament that is very much parallel to the CONCACAF Central American Cup that we had for match number B. And yes, we replaced that instead of using number two, Yucky Bathroom Talk. Even I know it without my daughter here in person. I miss my co-host, I'll be honest. CONCACAF Caribbean Shield is the name of this one, and it's reached its semifinals being hosted in St. Kitts and Nevis. Now, I say it's parallel, but that's only partially true. For the Caribbean, there are two there are two sub-region events. The CONCACAF Caribbean Shield, which is for amateur leagues that are trying to get to semi-professional or professional. Uh, what they are playing for is a berth into the uh, Caribbean Championship, and that is where uh, they will compete against teams from, I believe, the six countries that have truly professional domestic leagues within the Caribbean region. So 16 of the 31 Caribbean associations that are, are working on getting to semi-professional or professional status are the ones who have sent teams. The top two, both finalists, will end up going, uh, getting to move up to that next event. Your matchup here in the semifinal, Club Sando from Trinidad and Tobago versus Golden Lion out of the French territory of Martinique. Uh, the winners will get to play either Metropolitan out of Puerto Rico, my favorites, or Robin Hood, all one word. That's the reason I say it that particular way. And they play out of Suriname. Unfortunately, we won't be previewing the final because the final is going to be on Sunday. So this one is earlier in the week. All right, let's get into our teams. Club Sando, kind of fun to say. They play out of the city of Cuva, which is in the west central part of the uh, main island nation, south of uh, Port of Spain, the capital by a little bit, about 50,000 people there. This was a massive sugarcane area, even as such these are measured in the Caribbean. But uh, there's now a lot more varied heavy and light industry there instead. Club was founded in 1991. Uh, they won the second division in this country in 2014-15, and that's when they get to start playing top flight. By the way, the league that they're playing now, the top flight Premier League of TNT, is rated number 13 out of the 14 leagues that CONCACAF actually ranks. So uh, this is one of the this is a team that should be one of your favorites. This is a league that always has a very good chance as a, a high-end amateur league to send somebody on to the Caribbean Cup championship. In the group stage, they went a perfect 3-0-0 in this event with a 16 against nil goal differential. They beat second best Dakota out of Aruba by three points. They finished the 2023 season fairly recently in third place. Decent offense, a little bit better on defense, giving up just one goal per match. Top four goal differential. And now Golden Lion, a much older club, founded all the way back in 1947. Not too surprising given the French ties. They got promoted to Division I in 2008-2009. They won the first of their four titles in 2014-15. They hail out of the central commune of St. Joseph, maybe the only landlocked one on the main island. 16,000 people is the population. The Martinique Division de Honor is unranked by CONCACAF, and that's not because they're a French territory. It's just a little bit weaker league, and they don't get quite enough in international play across the board to have really earned a ranking by their metrics. 
Golden Lion officially qualified for this event as the 2021-22 league champs from what I read. Not quite sure why they use that particular one because they also won the 2022-23 season. It's entirely possible that based on when they start and end their season, that by winning this most recent domestic league title, they may have already automatically qualified for next year's tournament as well. So we'll be hearing from them again. 2022-23, in their Group A, which was eight clubs strong in the domestic league regular season, they had the number one offense going, getting well over two and a half goals per match, uh, a defense that nearly matched that, and the number one goal differential. Unlike Club Sando, this is a very dominant team on the island. It's hard for me to call them the favorite, given that Club Sando has players that actually earn some sort of money. I do think it's going to ultimately be a very competitive matchup. Yeah, for the second week in a row, we're not holding the bonus matches all to the very end. We are dispersing them throughout the show with which to surprise you. The Jazz Frog Sounder, which is just an absolute favorite for Person Noob, and so it needs no other explanation than that, is now our uh, way of letting you know that it is time to discuss the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of. The week, 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 week. Thank you for the dramatic sound effect there, daughter dearest. Uh, this is a Saturday match, a first versus last place match from somewhere in the world. The particular match we selected this week, a Saturday match from South Korea's K-League 1, which is the third-ranked league in all of Asia. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season, too. So things are getting more dramatic on each end of the table. On the top side, one team will get to go to the Asian Champions League group stage. One will get to go to a qualifying round. On the other end of things, the last place team will get relegated down to the second division for next year. Two teams will fight for their top flight lives in relegation playout matches against second division teams. Your matchup, number 12, last place, Sad Sacks, Gangwon versus number one, mighty Ulsan Hyundai. Uh, Ulsan, they lead number B, Pohang Steelers, by 12 points. That's the reason we selected this particular one. They've been a just dominating this league this particular year by so much that they haven't really been in a high stakes match. We don't cover any domestic league matches until they're four or five matches in. And by then, Holson was already way up on everybody else. So nice to give them a little air time. Now, on the other end of things, Gangwon, they trail number nine, Jeju United, by 14 points. So their fate seems all but sealed. The series between these two, oh, I would say Ulsan have been a little bit on the dominant end, 24-5-1. and one. We're always looking for reasons to think, could the underdogs pull this off? Well, so far, we've only got two things. Number one, maybe Ulsan will send nothing but, like, you know, reserves or a youth team of some kind because they've already practically won the league mathematically. And, hey, they've done it once before sometime in the last, oh, I don't know, 15 years. History could repeat itself. The two times they played earlier this year, Ulsan won them both, although not by dominant scores, at least, uh, 1-0 and 0-1 on home and on the road. All right, Gang Wan, as your host, there, there's a third reason to think maybe they can do it at home. Probably not. <laughs> they are a moderately young club founded in 2008. They play out of Chuncheon in the Gangwon province, which is in the north central part of the country, mid-sized city of about 300,000. Uh, all kinds of interesting things about this city. I don't try to overwhelm you with those. So your fun fact about this city, Legoland Korea is currently being built there. 
yeah, use your Google machine, look up some pictures. Last year, they finished in sixth place. You would have been much more likely to find them in a different bonus match that we'll get to later on. Best they've ever done in the top division is fourth place. That was in 2016. This year, it's it's another small ball team, but this is one that is not working out for. They've got uh, just a slightly below average defense, but they've got the worst offense by a lot. This is a moderately high scoring league, and they only get two goals every three matches on average. Their goal differential would belie that uh, being tied for 10th, and maybe they could climb up into one of the relegation playoff matches slots, but somehow I don't think so. MVP for them and tied for second best in successful tackles in the league. Hey, you love seeing a physical player doing his thing, even for a bad team. He's getting two and a third tackles per batch. That is Min Woo Sao. He is central midfielder for them. And then also on the defensive end where they are a little bit uh, less awful, tied for number three in blocks per game with well over one is Yongbin Kim, who plays center back for them. Teams current form, no wins, four draws, one loss. So that's much better. I mean, they're accumulating points. They just don't seem to be able to get three at a time ever. And now Ulsan, they are in the Southeast part of the country. There's this game is theirs to win if they want to basically uh, 1 million people plus, And this is the industrial powerhouse of the country cars, shipbuilding. I believe they might still have the world's biggest car factory and shipbuilding. It's one or the other, maybe both. They are known as the Tigers. Hey, I love anything but Lions, like a team that goes the other way. Uh, They've won the title three different times in South Korea, and they are your defending champions. They have also won two Champions League titles. The last one was just in 2020. Their defense is pretty darn good. Their offense is number one. They're getting almost two goals per match, and they've got the best goal differential by over 50%. There's no collapse coming out of these guys, no matter how this game goes. They will be entering at the Champions League group stage once again next iteration. Key players to look for, tied for number one in scoring with 11 is Min Kyu Ju, their striker, veteran, 33 years old. And then a guy that I wish had just netted one goal less, so I wouldn't feel compelled to mention him because his name, well, he's from Georgia so and not the U.S. state. So here we go. Valeri Kazashvili. I might be close. He plays left winger for them. And yes, MLS fans, there's uh, probably not, well, who knows? Maybe it's a common name over there, but first time I've ever encountered it clearly. So yes, this is the same guy, Earthquakes fans. He played for San Jose from 2017 through 21. Their MVP on the year, in my opinion, though, has been their defensive midfielder, uh, Yongwoo Park. He's also got a goal and four assists. So he's clearly getting up the field and doing some attack, uh, doing some offensive things. But his tackle success rate, I've never seen anything like it. And it's not for lack of volume, you know, and just a volatile stat. This guy tries a lot and succeeds nearly all the time. 92%. I see anything in the mid-60s, and that's a guy who's near the top of the league. 92 is absolutely cartoonish. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. Match number five. And the placement of that last bonus match was no coincidence. We've moved on to Asia for our next series of games. Match number six is a Tuesday match from the AFC Champions League. Just starting out the preliminary round. Uh, they effectively divide the entire continent as well they should into two separate uh, groupings. So there are six teams from the West at this stage, basically in Arabia and Central Asia, and four teams 
from uh, the far east of Asia. The matchup that we're going to look at here in the preliminary round is BC Rangers versus Haifong. The winners will get to play Incheon United out of South Korea next round. BC Rangers, they play out of Hong Kong. And yes, they were in fact started by a big fan of Scotland's Rangers, a guy from there, in fact. Uh, BC, by the way, stands for Blue Chen, who is their sponsor. They play out of the area of Diamond Hill, which is in the south central part of Hong Kong. And it's part of the only landlocked district in the entire country. Kind of interesting. They've been a bit of a yo-yo team. They were in the second division as recently as 2018-19. This is their Champions League debut. Congratulations, Asian Rangers. They qualified by finishing in third place in the 2022-23 Hong Kong Premier League, which, by the way, is the number 11 ranked team in the AFC now. That is up 14 spots, an unreal move. Well, unless you account maybe for the fact that they did just within the last 18 months change their ranking system, so we might see some volatility there. This league could go up and down and who knows what. Last year, they were well-balanced. Defense was very good, even in a low-scoring league like Hong Kong's, or low-scoring for the most part. They had the number three offense, getting two and a quarter goals per match. So I should really say the top four teams in this league scored a lot and played very good defense, and everybody else was just trying to be the best of the rest. There was a big gap in this league. Key players to look for on the scoring leaderboard last year was seven, Juninho from Brazil. He's an attacking midfielder. Oh, I guess you can't be looking for him. I'd forgotten. He now plays for Kitchi, which is the real dominant team in this league. Also from the scoring leaderboard was seven, uh, Yumemi Kanda out of Japan. He plays midfielder for them. He came over from a third-tier Japanese side, just to give you a little bit of uh, you know perspective on what the ability levels between those two leagues would be like. And now, playing out of Vietnam, Haiphong, the flamboyant flower. I wonder if that's one that they really use. Something might be lost in translation. I like it, though. They're also known as the Red Tide. They play out of the city of the same name as the club, which is in the northeast part of the country, two and a half million people. It's the cultural and economic capital of the Red River Delta area. A lot of heavy industry, a lot of light industry, agricultural, very, uh, very diversified economy up there. This is also their Champions League debut. Congratulations to you. Uh, they qualified by finishing in second place in the 2022 V League, which is the 14th ranked league in the AFC. I don't know how big a jump that was. Not as big as the Hong Kong Premier League, but I'm not used to seeing Vietnam or anybody from Southeast Asia really up that high, so good on them. Uh, 2023 league is underway and they're in fifth place with just two matches to go. Uh, they're well balanced, but again, only in fifth place and their offense and defense is a little, a little bit below average. I think that Rangers are going to kind of have their way with them really, especially since this is a road match for high Fong. Nevertheless, on the scoring leaderboard for their league, key guy to look for is Win Hai Hui. He plays midfielder for them. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three, and they've had trouble on offense. They've only scored two goals over that stretch. I think the kitties miss their little girl. You 
even more than that, I know that it also means they want a recap of last week's matches. Let's do it. Now that match number one last week was a Tuesday match from the AFC Cup preliminary round. Makindra versus Pero, and it was Makindra out of Nepal getting the 3-2 win. Afis Alawale Oladipo scored what ended up being the game-winning goal guy we said to look for. Then we had a bonus match, one of two. Our match of disappointment Sunday from the French territory of Réunion, the Premier League there. Number 13, OSCA Leopards versus number 14, saint Marianne. It was saint Marianne winning 0-1. That moved them up to number 12. Match number B was a Friday match from the CONCACAF League's Cup round of 32. Portland versus Monterey, and Monterey got the 0-1 win. Match number three, Saturday, it was the USL League 2 final. Ballard versus Lionbridge. All hail the champions out of the Seattle area. Uh, Tupelila, I believe, Ballard won 2-1. Match number four is the NPSL final. Another one, uh, Tier 4 League. Tulsa Athletic playing for the trophy at home versus Apotheos FC out of Kennesaw, Georgia. And wow, did it take a while. They played the 1-1 in regular time. Penalty kicks. Congratulations, Tulsa. 8-7 winners in penalty. Match number five, a Wednesday match from the Copa Libertadores, South American Champions League, round of 16. Second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie between Independiente de Valle and Deportivo Ferreira. The result was a 1-1 draw, and that means the massive underdogs win 1-2 on aggregate. Ferreira move on. I will note that for uh, De Valle, a guy who's hit a look for, Michael Hoyos, their star, did have the goal. Match number six from the Copa Sudamericana on Tuesday, round of 16, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie, Emelec out of Ecuador versus Defensa y Justicia from Argentina. And they played to a nil-nil draw, which is just what the Argentinians wanted. They advanced two to one on aggregate. Match number seven, Sunday from the Peruvian Primera División Clausura, number three, part of a three-way tie, actually, FBC Melgar versus number B, Universidad de Deportes, and it was the U getting the nil one win. Alex Vaira had the goal I would say to look for, and they now take over the number one spot as the uh, former number one team had a tie, or a draw, I should say, on their match for the week. Match number eight from the World Cup on Sunday. The women, USA versus Sweden, and it was the Swedes winning 0-0, 5-4 on penalty kicks. Match number nine from the Solomon Islands S-League. Number B, Honiara City took on number one Central Coast. They played to a 0-0 draw. No change in the table there, but Solomon Warriors in third place inch a little bit closer. Still Mike Cole to win the league. Then our other meaningless match, or our other bonus match, was the most meaningless match in the world. Sunday match from the League of Ireland Premier Division. Number five, Dundalk, took on number six from the middle of the table, Shelbourne. Appropriately, they played to a 1-1 draw for Dundalk. The most meaningless or average player that we pointed out, 21-year-old Hayden Muller, had seven recoveries and went 4-4 on aerial duel, uh, duelers. Duels, rather. He is far less meaningless than he once was. Nice job. Maybe remote. Yeah. No change in the table there. And match number 10 was a Thursday match from the UEFA uh, from the UEFA Europa League third qualifying round. First leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Really the opening round. Kind of weird on the nomenclature. Slavia Prague took on Dnipro 1 out of Ukraine. And it was Prague dominating with a 3-0 win. And so that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. 
Saturday, we have the final of a very interesting tournament. It is not a qualifier for any other tournament, the Arabian Club Champions Club. This is a mix of some African and some Asian teams that are all largely Muslim, considered part of Arabia. This year, the final and most of the tournament, or at least the final stages, were held in Saudi Arabia. Twelve Asian countries took place, uh, took part rather, as well as ten African ones. And your final is Al Halal versus Al Nasser out of Saudi Arabia. Not a huge surprise there. They're always the best uh, league in Europe or have been the last couple of years. And they have been throwing money, these two teams and a couple others in Saudi Arabia at some very uh, good, although often very veteran European players. But the quality of their league just continues to climb. But that's all you're going to hear from us on this particular one, because this is the time of show where I allow my 11-year-old daughter co-host superstar, the real reason I know you listen regulars, Persanoob, to do her Endangered Animals segment. She is, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, she is on location in Iowa spending some time with her grandparents. Let's see if we can catch her and what she has to say about this week's animal, which I believe to be the endangered sand cat of the Arabian Peninsula. All right. Um, I mean, I'm a University of Iowa graduate. I'm always glad to hear the uh, the whole fight song, but unfortunately, I guess due to the topography or something, we're not even going to be able to get to Person Noob this week. We look forward to more aminal adventures with her next week. Match number seven. Next up, another Tuesday match from Asia, another tournament match, the AFC Cup. Now, for newer or burgeoning fans, or even if you're a longtime fan who just doesn't happen to follow the Asian stuff, this is the secondary international club tournament in Asia. But it is not a true equivalent of the Europa League. Every team in Europe, for example, sends a team to at least one team to the Europa League or the Europa Conference League, usually both. However, the AFC Cup is much more designed for the smaller countries, the mid-sized countries, the top handful of associations don't send anybody to this match. So if you're a big country like India and soccer just isn't your very biggest sport, this is a tournament that's a little bit more designed for them. If you're from Southeast Asia or a poorer island country, perhaps, this is where your champion goes. Yeah, the bottom something like 40% of the leagues in Asia do not get to send anybody to the AFC Champions League. They just feel it wouldn't be competitive, and they're trying to give everybody good matchups. All right, speaking of matchups, let's get into ours here in the second preliminary round. It's very early. Uh, we're going to talk about Mohan Bagan out of India versus the team we covered last week uh, in the only preliminary round one match, uh, Makindra from Nepal got through. And so we're going to uh, get on the Nepalese bandwagon until they lose. Probably will be in India, but time will tell. By the way, there is no home and away two-legged tie like there would be in the Europa League. Uh, Mahindra will be going to India. They will play one game, and the result will determine who advances. Mohanbegin, they are known as the Mariners and play out of Kolkata. They were founded in 1889, despite the fact that Soccer is only in the top two or three most popular sports in India. This is one of the oldest clubs in all of Asia. Uh, they just changed their name, not a huge deal, but from ATKMB, Mohenbegin, to Mohenbegin SG. It turns out the SG is their mascots. They are known as the Super Giants. So now we have Super Goats and Super Giants. I'm liking it more and more. Why can't we... It, it, 
it just sounds a little bit cheesier in English. So I know there's something lost in the translation, but I would love to see an American team, at least one that's like professional, go somewhere along these lines with their nickname. There have been a lot of changes in what exactly the top flight is called and uh, who's been constituting it. But let's just say that uh, there have been three leagues at least since 1996-97 that have been the or a top flight league in Indiana in India, and Moen Begin have won six of the titles. 1988-89, they made the semifinals of the event now known as the Champions League, and that's the best they've ever done internationally. Last year in this event, they made what was called the Interzonal Playoffs. Basically, thinking of it, think of it as the third stage. If they win this match, they will get as far as they got last year, at least. The Indian Super League, which is now the sole number one league, there used to be two, uh, is ranked number 17 in the AFC. I'm kind of glad they've got that sorted out to be like everybody else. It was weird before. They had a club league and more of a franchise MLS type league, and they were playing at different parts of the year. They still play, but now one of them is definitely second fiddle. Moen Begin qualified as the playoff winner between the last two years' league's winners. There was a change in their calendar, and so there were two league winners uh, between two champion uh, between two different Champions Leagues. So only one could go. So Moen Begin had to win the league and then win a playoff game against the other winner. I hope that's clear. Uh, they won the 2022-23 Super League playoffs, so they are your more recent power, at least of those two. Uh, 2022-23, they finished the regular season in third place. Uh, this is another small ball team. That seems to be a theme here. They weren't even getting one and a quarter goals per match, definitely below average, but a top two defense giving up less than a goal per match. What little offense they were getting, largely at the feet of third best scorer in the league, we're tied for that uh, with 12, Dimitri Patatros from Australia. He plays forward for them. He's also tied for number three in assists with seven. We've got a pretty good homegrown goalkeeper as well, Michelle Kaith, uh, number one by a lot in terms of clean sheets in the very least. He had 12. I think next best had something like seven. And now, even though we talked about them last week, we'll do a little revisit for Makindra. They seem to be named after uh, Makindranath, a deity uh, called the Red Fish God. Uh, I'll point out once again, I'm unsure if they're named for a company that named themselves after that particular god in tradition or if they're named directly after the god. Either way, that's who they are and they're out of Kathmandu. Club that was founded in 1973 that plays in the 36th best league in all of Asia, so well within the bottom half. Uh, the Martyrs Memorial A Division League. Uh, A Division League. I, it just still seems unnecessarily redundant, as if redundance is ever really necessary. Well, maybe in computers and stuff. Anyway, uh, they were the two-time defending champions, and they've uh, those they are rather the two-time defending champions, and those are their only two domestic league titles ever. So they are a new power. 2021-22, they played in their first AFC Cup, but they lost very early on to a team called Blue Star from Sri Lanka. Uh, they finished in second best in the Martyrs A division last time. Church Boys United won the league by three points, but they did not get to go to the AFC Cup because they did not have a license to do so, which usually means something to do with the stadium not being up to par. And that stadium that play this team plays in, by the way, Dasaraf Rangasala. It's a multi-purpose stadium, so it's really big. Thirty thousand people. I have a feeling that they uh, they play some cricket there as well, and those are the times they sell out. 
Uh, number one offense is theirs to boast of, getting a bit over one and a half goals per match. They had a top three defense to go with that. Number one team score for them in the league, actually, with 23, Afis Olawale Oladipo from Nigeria. And they've got a good goalkeeper of their own, second best in their own league, a homegrown Bishal Shretsa. He had nine clean sheets. Teams current form, well, they've won their last two league matches, but... Worth noting, they haven't been able to keep a clean sheet in their last five. I think that spells trouble for the team of the Redfish God here on the road. That completes our trek through Asia. Time to head to South America for the match of... Disappointed! Oh, the Herculean scorn from Kevin Sorbo. It is quite appropriate. I assure you it is right and righteous because... The match of disappointed teams are always terribly awful. Appropriately, this is a Monday match. Matches of disappointed should always be Monday matches. Back when this was uh, before it was a podcast and just a blog, actually, those were the only matches that I used to consider. This time it's a coincidence, sort of. From Paraguay, the División Nacional, they're in their Clausura stage. It's pretty early on, but they've got enough matches under their collective belt that we know who isn't that good and who absolutely stinks. And these are your stinkers. Paraguay of the uh, three league associations in South America that play in Conmebol, this is a pretty average one. They're rated number five. It's worth noting, by the way, that these two teams are not necessarily in line for relegation. They're the worst to this particular year and stage. They determine who gets kicked out at the end of every year based on a three-year relegation table. And two teams will be kicked out. But we're looking for who's the most putrid right now, and that is number 11, second to last place, Sportivo Trinidense versus number 12, last place, Sportivo Lucano. Series between these two. Lucano have had their way with a 6-2-0 record in recent seasons. Trinidense, they currently lead Lucano, though, by two points in the table. Uh, they're actually in fourth place in the three-year aggregate table, which is basically determined how many points per match you've been averaging. And I don't mean goals, I mean Three points per win, one point per draw. So Trinidense are bad this stage, but they actually haven't been that awful the last couple of years. Nevertheless, we can smell them right now, which is too bad because I like their nickname. I assume this is a play on the English word. They are known as, since they are Trinidense, as El Triqui, T-R-I-Q-U-I. You know, it's sweet to rock around, to rock around that's right on time. It's tricky. Yeah, you probably knew that. Uh, they play out of a barrio called uh, Santissima in Asuncion, which is where virtually all the pro teams are in this country. Uh, its actual area only has about 4,500 people. But again, it's you know in the greater Asuncion area. Last year, they won the second division. That is their second title at that level ever. Last stage, they finished in third place. So not sure if they sold some players off or what happened because they're doing much worse this time. Uh, they are tied for number nine on both offense and defense statistically. And that's, I was going to say, good enough, but bad enough that they have the overall worst goal differential. So they are balanced in a horrible way. Uh, the team leading scorer for them right now, Alex Alvarez, he's got six so far and they need plenty more out of him. Team's current form, well, they did just get an FA Cup win. They beat fellow clubmates uh, uh, Trace de Febrero. Yes, that is the name of a club named after a famous date for them. And that snapped a four-match winless streak for Trinidense. And now Lucano, they play out of the area of Luque, 
which is on the very outskirts of Asuncion proper, which means they are well within the truly greater Asuncion area. It's probably most famous in soccer for being the headquarters of Conmebol. Not famous for having very good soccer there themselves. They do have a fun nickname, another theme for the show. They are known simply as the pig. The city was famous for them. And from what I've read, they would get transported around locally in something that was best defined as sort of uh, carriages, kind of buses, kind of trucks, you know, a, a a hybrid, if you will. And a lot of those same vehicles would get used to transport fans to away games years ago. And so the opposing team's fans would make fun of them saying, here come the pigs, because they knew what those rides were really like. But they have uh, seized on that and made it their nickname, which I think is pretty fun. Now, play some better soccer, darn it. They have won three Division I titles before, but the last one, it's been a minute. That was in 2007. They've never gotten past the first round in all three of their ever Copa Libertadores, or South American, if you will, uh, Champions League appearances. The Copa Sudamericana, their secondary international club tournament in the continent, they did make the semifinal in 2015. So this is a team with a bit more positive history than Trinidense has. They were in the second division last year as well. They finished in second place and got promoted. The Apertura stage this year, they did a little bit better the first time around. They finished in eighth place, but they're a lot closer to the bottom. I believe they are in third to last place and only out of the relegation zone by hundreds of a uh, of a point. So uh, they're, they should be very motivated. This is a team that could end up going right back down. Uh, in this particular stage, their stats, they're balanced in a bad way as well. The offense is exactly the horrible equivalent to Trinidense's. Their defense is a little bit better. Uh, the scoring that they do get, the key player for them, uh, tied for second best in the league, actually, on the year overall with 11 is Marcelo Perez. And rather than wishing them good luck, even though we have had some fun things and good things to say about them. We will still whisk them away in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo! Match number eight. No teams from the Oceania Football Confederation this particular time. Our last leg of the show will belong to the European tournaments. Match number eight is a Wednesday match from the Europa Conference League, third qualifying round, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Now, for newer fans who found us, you know, because we have new butter name, let me unpack a little bit of that for you. The winners of every single league go to the Champions League. No surprise there. You probably knew that. The Europa League is the longstanding second best international club tournament. This one is the tertiary or third best and bottom of the three. It's only been in existence for a couple of three years. This is largely designed for second and third place finishers from the much smaller countries. And their champions, after they go to the Champions League and lose in the early qualifying rounds, will drop down to this tournament in later stages. But still, you do get at least one team from every single country in Europe, when you're talking about some of the bigger ones like Portugal, where one of these teams is from, you get something like the fifth, sixth, or seventh best team. So, uh, third qualifying round, they've only they've got third qualifying round, then the playoff round, then the group stage or event proper. So that is where things really get interesting for most everybody who follows it. But we like it even now. This is fun. Your matchup. Bran out of Norway versus Aruka out of Portugal. I hope I'm saying that right. I've never covered them before. 
This is, again, the second game between them. The first match between them was played in Portugal, and Aroca beat Bran 2-1. to one. So now they get to go on the road. They'll add up the scores at the end, and the overall winner is the one that gets to advance. Bran out of Norway. Uh, last year, they were ranked overall in UEFA just outside the top 250 clubs in the continent. Give you a little perspective there. This is a team that was just re-promoted to Division One this year, but they've spent nearly every single year, except for now two, I believe, since the 1980s, in the top flight. So don't mistake this as a team that is in rarefied airs or something. It's a good club. The Elite Serian, the club they play out of, is now ranked number 14 in UEFA. That is the highest easily I think I've ever seen one of the Northern European leagues and one that plays in one of the summer leagues get ranked. They have won the league title three different times. Last time was 2007. Uh, They are the biggest club in Bergen, which is the second biggest city in the country. And so given the resources that they have, huge fan base, fair amount of money, they've really underperformed historically. 2008-2009 Champions League, they made the third qualifying round. That is their best European finish ever. They entered this qualifying round. They didn't have to play in the second or first qualifying round, and that is because they won last year's FA Cup. That is separate from the league for newer fans. We'll talk about FA Cups another time. 2023, here in the current season, they're only in fifth place in the league, and uh, they're not having major problems on either side of the ball. They're just not performing as well as their opponents. It's not all that high scoring a league. Uh, They're getting one and two-thirds goals per match. They do have the third best rated player, according to the FootMob app, which I really like, uh, in the entire league, Sievert Heltney Nilsson, homegrown central midfielder, doesn't get a lot of assists. Well, I mean, he gets literally none. He's had none, but he's got six goals. Plays a little bit more like a forward. Team's current form, they are 0-1-3 in their last four. And even at home, they're going to need to find some offense against a team from Portugal, even if they did qualify for this event uh, by finishing well down the table uh, in fifth place last year. Aroca is a fascinating area. The whole town is a protected area called a geopark within Europe. It's seen as self-sustainable. It's got a lot of interesting geology. You'll find tons of sciences all being explored here, all natural sciences. It's part of the greater Porto area. Uh, It has about 25,000 people. I mentioned Porto because the club was actually founded in 1951 as a subsidiary of FC Porto. I don't think you would have officially called them a reserve team, but they might have gotten used that way. I believe they're independent of FC Porto now, though. 2016-17, they made their only other European appearance ever. That was in the Europa League. They almost got to the group stage. They made it to the playoff round. 2012-13, they made the Premier League for the very first time. Uh, Again, as I mentioned before, they qualified as the fifth-place finishers from last year. Uh, Defense was a little better than their offense. They were fifth in that regard, giving up just over one goal per match. Really good goalkeeper. He had 14 clean sheets last year, which put him in the top five. Uh, That is Ignacio de Arrua Barrena, or Barrena, out of Uruguay. Match number nine. Next, we move up the ladder for match number nine to a Thursday match from the aforementioned Europa League, also in its third qualifying round. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Worth pointing out that because of the advent of the Europa Conference League, the Europa League actually has 
uh, far fewer teams in it than it used to. And so this isn't really the third qualifying round. This is only basically the second qualifying round, but they want the nomenclature, I guess, to be, you know, all chronologically uh, synced up between the three tournaments. So, you know, this is where the event essentially opens. The matchup that looked most interesting to me here was uh, Ludogorets Razgrad out of Bulgaria playing FC Astana from Kazakhstan. I believe Astana won the first match either 1-0 or 2-1. And I always like seeing that one goal deficit when you're looking uh, for the other team to turn it around at their place for the second leg. But... This is the time of show where Noob's tumbly starts to get a little rumbly. So we're going to take a culture break. Occasionally it means something other than food. But this is another case where it's going to mean food. Lactose intolerance aside, this looks weird and yet delicious at the same time. We're going to look at something from Bulgaria where Razgrad is. That's a city in the northeast part of the country. Uh, usually I try to find something very specific from the home city, home province, home region. This particular case, we're going to move from the northeast part of the country a little bit further west to a village that wouldn't be known for anything else. It is not noteworthy. It is not big. It is called Cherny Vit, C-H-E-R-N-I space V-I-T. And it is not a town. It is a village. And yet one of the three kinds of moldy cheeses that are grown in Europe comes from here. And it is a green cheese. I don't even know that they, uh, I think the Bulgarian name for it is just whatever is Bulgarian for green cheese, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. Uh, It's considered a delicacy. It's got a really interesting taste I'll describe in a little bit. But uh, Chernivit, that village is in the north central part of the country, right at the foot of the Balkans, where the humidity, the overall weather, the soil, everything makes uh, helps to uh, helps them to raise the sheep yes this is a sheep's milk cheese and that milk gives it a particular taste along with the rest of the environment the characteristic taste is due to the formation of the roll mold and it has a green color for a crust on the outside it's almost grayish you would not probably like to try it if you were to merely see it with no other advanced knowledge and that's if you can get it at all i'll get into that in a little bit this was a nearly extinct cheese, if you will, in the 2000s, until the 2000s, when it was rediscovered by Italian representatives who were part of something called the slow food movement. I'll let you go down your own uh, internet rabbit hole to discover what that is. It's not as important uh, to the cheese overall and what it is. Part of what's interesting about this cheese is that uh, years ago when they were making cheese, it used to be that the mold was considered to probably be poisonous by the locals. So they would actually shave that off and throw it away, even though it's part of what gives it this really interesting taste. Uh, They don't do that now. The reason that it nearly went extinct was because part of what enabled the mold to grow this particular way was that they would... uh, keep this stuff in wooden casks while it was aging. When those got replaced by plastic cans, the mold either went away or was just very, very different. And so by the early 2000s, this basically all but disappeared. But a guy, and he's from Italy despite the name, uh, Tzvetan Dimitrov, uh, again, part of the slow food movement, uh, he discovered this village. I don't know the story behind it, but it'd be interesting, this particular cheese and uh, or heard about it and he said i really want to try it, i want to find it i'm looking for you know new things 
and somebody was able to find a matchbox size piece of the cheese was all they could find preserved by some elderly couple in a cellar up in the highlands of the Balkans. Wow. Talk about going a long way for cheese. Uh, the guy was impressed with it. He took it back to a big international festival and uh, it got very well received. And so now it is the only traditional mold cheese grown in the Balkans. This might have changed. I'm hoping so. But I know at one point in 2009, and for a time, the Chernivik green cheese was not commercially available in Bulgaria, even let alone anywhere else. Uh, there were some sort of administrative hindrances. I don't know why, but it basically prohibits farms from the direct sale of any dairy products unless they are approved by the veterinary services, whatever that means. I have a feeling there could be a whole podcast just done on this cheese and why you can't effectively uh, find it, get anywhere, eat it, unless you are there and getting it firsthand. And I mean, truly firsthand yourself, like literally right off of the farm. By the way, the cheese, it's a very soft cheese, despite having that crust. It's very dense and it's almost got a hot, spicy taste. Very rich aroma from what I'm reading. I wish I knew firsthand. It's silvery white on the inside, much more appetizing looking, but it's got that naturally formed green mold crust. Essentially, if, if you're a, something of a cheese expert, from what I've read, this is a white brine cheese or a sirene, but it's modified by the growth of that particular mold. And uh, because this is a sheep's milk, because the environment has got a much different protein content than any other cheese in the area. Look, I know this isn't football, but I find this stuff fascinating. Football is just my excuse to learn really cool stuff about the rest of the world. They begin producing this cheese in the summer, specifically after a holiday called St. George's Day. The sheep get taken up to the high mountain pastures, and that's where their diet really changes. They're not brought back down till autumn. And then uh, the cheese, you know, they get milk, the cheese get made, and they get stored in very humid cellars. But despite that, the mold only develops on the surface of the cheese after the casks are specifically open. And yet it's gotta be those wooden casks for some reason. So, uh, soccer noob, but cheese pro. There you go. Thank you for enduring with that with me. But honestly, I hope you enjoyed it. The culture breaks are one of my favorite things. And match number 10, we're done. Finally. Oh, slow your old daughter. You're having a fun time with grandpa and grandma. Let's do match number 10. It's a Tuesday match from the Champions League. Once again, third qualifying round of the home and away two-legged ties. I've never covered the club called Serve before, S-E-R-V-E-T-T-E, -T -T -E, out of Switzerland. They are taking on Rangers from Scotland in this particular match. Rangers won the first match 2-1. to one. That's why I picked it. All right, Serve. They are from a district of that name in Geneva. That region, the French-speaking region of the country, is called the Romandie, and this is the most successful club from that area. They've largely been a yo-yo team the last 20, 25 years, though hovering uh, between the kind of bouncing back and forth between the first and second divisions. They were ranked just outside the top 200 clubs in Europe a year ago. Nevertheless, they've won 17 league titles, but the last one was well before I was ever really aware of world soccer, 1998-99. Here in the modern era, they have never been further than this stage in the Champions League. They had to enter at the last round, the second qualifying round. They played uh, Jenk out of Belgium and uh, played in a shootout to a 3-3 draw and then beat them 4-1 on penalty kicks. Uh, they qualified for this year's event by finishing in second place in the Super League last year, which is the 12th ranked league in all of Europe. So just high enough that they're getting two teams instead of one. 
Here in the early 2023-24 season, they are currently 1-3-0. Very interesting, all those draws. Last year, statistically, the defense was okay in a not-that-high-scoring a league, uh, or the offense, I should say. The defense was top three. They only gave up one and a third. Tied for fifth best in team scoring last year and still with the team from the Ivory Coast, therefore, Chris Badia. And then top 10 in assists returning once again. He had a half dozen of those. Their winger, Derek Kudasea, homegrown. Uh, he spent his longest stretch of his career, interestingly, with a team called Ram in uh, France in their League One. We won't go on long about Rangers. They're one of the most famous clubs in the world. I believe currently ranked about number 30 in all of Europe. They won the now Europa League in 1971-72, and twice they have been the runners-up of a predecessor tournament or, more recently, the actual Europa League. 2021-22 is one of those years. Last year in the Champions League, they made the group stage. But here in the modern era, by which I mean basically the last 20 years, they're much more of a Europa League group stage sort of level club. They qualified for this year's iteration by finishing in second place in the Scottish Premier League last year, which is ranked number nine in all of Europe. And they got to enter at this round. 2023-24 league season, it's brand new like all the other Western European ones. They're 1-0-1. Looking at their identity from last year, uh, they were a distant second to uh, uh, Celtic. Boo, I'm much more of a Rangers fan in pretty much every statistical way. Second best in offense, defense, and goal differential. Tied for number four in league scoring. This guy is their star, James Tavernier from England. He plays right back for them officially, but boy, does he get up on offense. He's really more of a true wing back because on top of all those goals that he scored, he also had nine assists, which put him in the top five in the league as well. And that'll put a bow on Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Person Noob episode 148. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To my daughter, even as you are hundreds of miles away in Iowa having fun with Grandpa and Grandma, I always appreciate uh, your willingness to do pretty much anything weird that I ask for this show. And we still love the uh, sound effects and the uh, countdown and some of your musical choices. And thank you for finding the show making it on through. We hope that you have enjoyed what we've endeavored to do, which is make something really unique, cover some matches that everybody knows and some that you're only going to find here. We hope you'll pass this along to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.